0: Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine. And on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous, positive impact on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. welcome 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 well thank you i'm so excited to have you tonight uh every time that you're on the listeners just go crazy and we get all kinds of (laughs) positive comments so i'm so excited and it gets to be just us girls tonight
1: i know i'm excited about that
0: just the two of us yeah And one of the things that we did something really fun together, well, actually, the past two weeks is we've both gotten a chance to share things that are really near and dear to our heart and that we're really passionate about. And I got to go with you for your birthday to the Van Gogh exhibit, which was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And I was so inspired and and then learned so many things about him that I didn't know. And mm-hmm. I'm even going to use some of that in my book to introduce the chapters because he talked about human connection and love and art and passion. And so that's what I wanted to talk about tonight, just with us girls. And then I was, I got to share my passion with you this week for the first time in years. So I was really excited about that. So we're able to talk about that a little bit too, but um, tell the listeners a little bit about, they know about Christine, the professional business person, but how did you, I want them to know about Christine, the musician, mm. and Christine, the
1: actress, and Christine, the director. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You've outed me on public radio. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, those are I think the I, I was at a big uh, gathering this week of the women of the International Women's Forum. And the one beautiful thing that is a connecting thread between all of those women is passion. Uh, yeah. And they honor and support each other's passion. And they build connection within the organization based on that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, who can I talk to about passion? And I thought, oh, you, because (laughs) you're the best at really going deep and talking to people about how do they connect with that passion? So I'll Mm -hmm. shut up now. And so tell us a little bit, sorry about that, but tell us a little bit about that. I want to know how you started oh, and, sure. and how you, how you can recognize how, how do our listeners recognize a passion within them? And then how do they cultivate that and honor that and bring that into all aspects of their life?
1: Oh. What brilliant questions. Absolutely brilliant. And thank you so much um, for them. Uh, I rarely get to talk about about these passions of mine. And you asked uh, how it started for me. I was, I think I was 14, living in Jakarta, Indonesia, going to the uh, Joint Embassy School, uh, an international school there. And Ranu Dali was our drama teacher there. Um, a beautiful win- woman from Chandigarh, India. She wa- She decided that she was going to cast and produce The Diary of Anne Frank. And so I auditioned. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember what, what that was about. But that was the first play that I was in and, I, and she cast me as Anne Frank. And I remember, I remember having an experience of oh my gosh this is so interesting I've never spoken about this out loud before but I remember the the experience and the process of of telling this story was so other than what one what I expected it was going to be or or than anything else I'd ever been involved in. And And I remember Ranu having me over to her house often in the afternoons while we were in rehearsals because so much, um, the beginning, in between every scene, there are portions of Anne Frank's diary that I was reading to record that would be narration, um, recorded narration in between the scenes. And she was... So patient and painstaking but un, and very methodical, but underneath that was a passion for me, a potential that she saw in me that she wanted to make to, that she wanted to bring out in these readings. And, and it was a learning process unlike I've ever had before to have someone be so encouraging and, and exacting. Like there were there were nuances that she wanted, you know, a lilt up at the end of a sentence, a pause after a comma. And she and she literally curated and choreographed my voice to get those nuances. And that and that's what hooked me. I thought there's something inside me and I haven't discovered it yet, but she sees it. And and I was hooked. I was hooked to doing this live craft and learning the craft of stagecraft and how you interact, how you see the play and the story only through your point of view as the character. And you'll do anything that you need to to get what you want, to get what you need. And what I learned about passion as I... Uh, became more and more involved in learning about theater. And and I went to college for theater and then grad school for theater. I've got degrees out the wazoo in theater, (laughs) went to New York to do theater and and then doing theater to this day. What I learned was that passion that we bring to allowing these characters to have what they want comes from a deep longing and the longing it's like it's stuff we never talk about in our in our society you know we talk about like what we deserve and rewards and you know we talk about success and you know how much money do you make and like how famous are you you know on instagram and you know what's your last tiktok video but and it seems like people people generate energy around 15 minutes of fame. And I'm curious if how much time we spend really getting still so that we can hear what our deepest longings are. And I wonder if often the longing isn't connected to some wound, some, some wound that we have had as a young child, you know, abandonment or not being loved enough, you know, and all of us have one or more of these because as, as, as much as our parents loved us and tried, you, we, there are things that we, that we live with that we need to overcome, like stories, old stories that we can overcome. And I believe that through these, this passion that we have, whatever it is, we can overcome and work through whatever wound we have. How's that long answer for a short question? (laughs) Ooh, that was so good.
0: And I wanted, there's there's things I wanted to pull out of there. As you were talking about how your teacher believed in you, look, I got goosebumps. I, I got goosebumps all over because what's really interesting about the wounds, the longing and then the salute the the things that help us heal Mm -hmm. end up being translated because when you were saying that about what your teacher did for you i was thinking to myself christine that's exactly what you do now okay i know you've done it for me you have the capacity to take Ideas that are all out here and bring them together in a beautiful, cohesive fashion. And you then reflect all that you see, for example, that you see in me, you've done it numerous times with me, that you see in me and you show me parts of myself Mm -hmm. through your mirror reflection of that to me that I couldn't see and so the healing that the that comes from i think our gifts that we end up really ex- showing the world accepting and them yeah the yeah. world mm-hmm. is comes from what our wound is and so the healing of that and then as we bring that into all that we do we then are able to use those things to heal other people as well.
1: Oh, sure. And I don't think it's any accident that the word compassion includes the word passion in it, All right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I haven't thought about that. You always give me such good material. So you, when you were talking, I was thinking that's exactly what you do. You see the potential within people And exactly what your, think about what your teacher did. She brought you over, created safe space Mm -hmm. for you to feel comfortable and she can develop those skills that she could see that you had, but she could bring them out. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you and I are both committed to that and we work together in completely different ways, but to bring that also into business.
1: Oh my gosh. Talk
0: more, like, That was amazing. And so talk more about that because I think that people want now after COVID, people are coming back to work saying, you know what? That's selling out for a company that I didn't believe in to do things that that weren't authentically me to, to build their dream and not my dream. All that is being mm. uh, uh, sorted out now. Yeah. So companies are having to look for new ways to communicate, yeah. to listen, to honor their people. So mm. how can they, they bring all of that together and, and, really develop the passion within their people so that together we can build organizations where we are honoring all of the different perspectives and different ideas so that together we create something that we all have a piece of.
1: Ah, oh, Beautifully put. Yeah. Um, again, great question. Great, great, great question. I think there's there there are a couple of ways to talk about it. One is that we 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 enter the work place and we come to work at a place where, you know, and over the door is the vision and on the coffee mug is the mission and you know on the Oh, I guess we don't have mouse pads anymore. But back in the day when we had mouse pads, you know, the values would be on the mouse pad and, you know, and, and, and the, this was sort of the container in which we were expected to work, but there was very little, it was, it was sort of like a box checking exercise. Everybody's got to have a mission, vision, values, right? Yeah. Everybody's got to do that. And what I, what I noticed when I got into the work of actually surfacing companies, mission, vision, values was that. They could they didn't know the difference between the three. So each each statement sort of had everything in the kitchen sink in it, and it became very confusing. And the dream and the longing got lost somewhere in the, you know, I don't know, the hundredth revision, you know, the the crafting the statement by committee. And and what got lost more times than not was this the seed of the longing and the seed of the dream that people could share. So it be, so it's, it almost became like Teflon, you know, there's nothing to really to hook onto to say, yeah, yeah, I can have a piece of that. I know, I know where I can be valuable here. I know how I can contribute. And what we find, you know, in. Uh, just report after study, after research paper, after charts and graphs are that people will give you their best ideas they will stay late at work they they will do all that for free if they know how they're contributing and what their value is that they're being heard and and that i believe is the that's kind of the catalyst the catalyzing factor for actually creating or rekindling passion in people. I think that's how they find it. When we go into companies uh, at the Institute for Unlearning, when we go into companies, the first thing that we do is we sit down individually with people and we ask and we get to the truth as fast as we can, their truth. And we do that by asking questions and then we just sit back and we don't we shut up. We don't try to be the expert, we don't answer their question. We ask their questions and then we let them tell the truth. Sometimes they're telling the truth for the first time in forever. And when they hear themselves speaking the truth, it, it, Jill, it happens time and again. They start to cr- cr- weep or laugh because they're hearing themselves tell the truth about their passion for the first time in decades, sometimes. And as soon as they hear themselves tell the truth about their passion, it's amazing. We literally we sit back in total amazement at the at humanity and the human capacity for generating genius and passion. They tell the truth and then they they weep or they they laugh and then the ideas start pouring out of them. Here's the problem, but here's the solution. I know how to fix it. I know what we can do and it's directly connected to their passion. And it's it comes from being given permission to feel it and then tell the truth about it. That's it. I, I... <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you said something really beautiful just now. What you touched in, in the passion, uh, like connected with the passion is you, you released, you saw the longing. Yeah, we see the longing. You, you helped them to see to tell the truth about the longing within them that that to have that passion
1: to absolutely be able to express that and doesn't it you know going back to the Van Gogh exhibit the we, we were at the for for our listeners, we were at the immersive exhibit it's it's making its way around the country and and we literally we stood in this enormous hangar in the dark. And, and images of Van Gogh's paintings came up, the full painting, and then it was like a, a, a mosaic. They, they had photographed pieces of each of the art, uh, uh, as, uh, of each of his works, and they went up on these enormous screens and they even had them on the floor, remember, Jill? And I, we, we how many cycles did we stay through? Almost like three. I think it's 40. Yeah. The, 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 and you're allowed to stay as long as you like, you know, they didn't come to, to, you know, to, to escort us out, but the, what I, what I realized is, and each cycle was like 45 minutes and the time just flew by, didn't it? Did it for Absolutely. you too? Absolutely. The, and what, what occurred was the, the first time through, I was just overwhelmed by the magnitude of of these works of his because i'm familiar with a lot of them we, a, often many of us are but when we got to see it that close up and what we, we saw the the canvas behind the the brush strokes we, we got to see that in a very tactile way so i was overwhelmed the first time through and then the second time through i knew sort of what was coming and what it was all uh done to music it was beautifully choreographed to, the, to music different pieces of music and and the second time through my longing showed up and I, and I, I remember how I, I, I connected so strongly to my mother who was a, a huge art aficionado and a music aficionado. And, and so I, it was my through my childhood that I got familiar with all of these pieces and, and these works. And, and so I, I was having this, this, resurgence of this relationship with my mother that while she was alive, we, we couldn't access. Right. So that was the second time through the third time through I was having connections with other longings, a lost love, um, a, a pet who has passed a friend who has passed the, and they, they started to surface and show up. So, So there's something in being connected with beautiful art and beautiful music or or music that stirs and art that stirs the longing within that I I was, I don't know. What, what was your experience? Did you have, because I know you were taking all those quotes down.
0: Yes, I did. And I took pictures of so many of his quotes where he, I didn't realize that even back then, he talked about love and he talked about, not love like relationship love, love like love for art and for for deep human connection and for the expression of passion. Yes, yes. And it was just, and, and I'm getting goosebumps again um talking about that right now and and that's where i connected with him mm-hmm. my mother also was was really um she was an art major and, and and but for me it's about the story and the the heart and so when i watch him paint because they they showed you 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 could just see it happening and you could feel him in his studio painting and what he was doing was expressing
1: his all of his heart and soul on the
0: canvas
1: yes and he even talked about it in his in his writings right how he literally I must paint there's nothing else I can do in this world right
0: yeah it was incredible and so I had not um I had not connect. I didn't know the the backstory, uh-huh. and so um, I didn't. That that for me it really made that meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, "Wow, this is so similar." Because it even it, it's similar to what we do at the at the. Sh- it's similar to Shining, Shining Shoes, what he did was start with a blank canvas and bring the beauty out. Yeah. So he connected his soul's expression with the, the, the yeah, yeah. With the expression Subject. of beauty. Like he could look at a field mm-hmm. and bring the beauty out in the field like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, and obviously that's why he's, you know, what the, one of the world's greatest artists, but I thought to myself, wow, look at the similarities with when, when we look at a pair of shoes, when we look at a person and we are able to see the beauty within them and then our work is to bring that beauty out in in mm. all of the different ways that we do that and and that was fun for me to be able to share that with you this week too because <laughs> you, you know i've it's it's kind of a crazy thing and you don't really understand unless you experience it and and so being able to share that art your art and then to bring those things together, where then we can also incorporate the human connection piece oh, yeah. and energy Indeed. as we were doing that was just a really special thing to me
1: to be able oh, to. Oh, it was shine. for me too. And uh, and for our listeners, what Jill's referring to is I, I, uh, I was invited, Jill invited me to come and actually shine shoes at the shoe shine at Denver International Airport. So- I put on I put on the executive shine apron and and I was really nervous. Remember, right, I told you I was so nervous to go. I I, I, there, I woke up at that morning and thought, "Geez, is there any way I can get out of this? Because <laughs> I'm so nervous, I'm going to do a terrible job and 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 you'll lose a customer or you know a customer will be really dissatisfied." But here's what happened: I put on the apron and you and Tara who also who is who is Jill's uh, executive um were so kind and you were you're so su- you're such experts you're so masterful that you you just showed me like I did one shoe you did one shoe and I just copied what you were doing and before we knew it like I had shined this beautiful pair of shoes like and i i found it you because you would give a a little bit of instruction and the spit shine piece was hard by the way folks it is you know shiny shoes is it it, there's a science and an art to it how do you work how do you work with all these emollients and 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 the cloths the different cloths that you use and the spit shine is difficult because you think to get that high shine you're going to bear down and you're going to work really hard and it's the opposite yeah. So instead of gripping down, you have to resist that need. And literally, you have to make your fingers like literally as supple as the cloth that 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 they're wrapped in. And I found, I found myself finding a passion for it. And I driving home, I was thinking, shoot, I could really do this. It's so satisfying. There's art in it. Like who knew? Right. Exactly. And people get up, people get up and the one guy got up and he could barely walk because he had so been in the zone that he, like he, I think he'd left the planet for a little while while we were shining his shoes. Right. <laughs> and people are, they're not just satisfied. They're delighted. They're delighted with, and they feel better. Like they stride away in it. Like they're something's altered in the way they walk when they walk away with their shoes shined. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, it's beautiful, but, but how similar is that to, that's why I wanted to talk to you about this whole passion and compassion Mm -hmm. and this whole reflection and expression and the, the fact that you brought up the, what it is, is really, it's, it's more than than healing of that longing it's really an honoring oh, of your longing yeah, yeah. yes and so it, and then bringing that into that that's what that's what gives your work depth that's why as an actress you do such a great job as a director that's why you can bring out all of those qualities in your um, players, in your cast mm-hmm. and in an orchestra. And another thing I, I was thinking about the, the art of all this. And and then I want you to talk about more about that in your, your music and how you got interested in that playing an instrument. But one of the things that I think when I think about leadership, I think of It's, you're really just leading an orchestra. Oh my gosh, yes. If you can have the visual of your whole organization, all of them play different instruments that they love. They don't play different instruments. You're not trying to make me play drums when I'm a saxophone player. That's right. You know, so having the the art of being able to place and develop your orchestra mm-hmm. in yeah. the way that that it honors all of the the sounds yeah. all of the music and then conduct that music together so that each one of the the players in the orchestra is, expressing their full essence as they play, which is then somewhat like a reflection of that longing.
1: Because 100%. It's, it's that emotion mm-hmm. that is what touches people. Yes, ma'am. 100%. I think as leaders, um, there's a, a miss. A misguided, it's good intention, but it's a misguided idea that a leader has to tell everybody what they're going to be doing, like and where they belong. Um, and I know, in, you know, in in a in a recruiting situation, people are really trying to find the right fit. But I I so often find that you know a jo- a role or you know a, a job title that comes you know that that they're interviewing for a particular position and it's eight pages of what you better have under your belt in order to do this job and it uh, i notice that it, it becomes so difficult to see yourself it's like well i can do this this and this but I, I and i can do that that and that but do i have all these skills all the time under my no and i think it i think if we could do it the other way around and just say a little bit about the essence of what is what 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 we're looking to create down the road, and see how, where people where people hop on. When I I've tried a number of instruments, uh, piano, guitar, uh, uh, ukulele, but the instrument that literally has me passionate about it and what I've been playing non-stop for the last number of years is the cello. And I feel like it chose me. I, you know, I, I, and he he here's about passion when it comes to music, at least in my experience, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a devotion beyond reason. It's beyond reason. Mm-hmm. I've That's spent... Right now. I've spent more time and money crafting, like, because the cello is 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 fussy, and you know the, the, you, you've got to hold it just right, and it has to sit between your knees just right, and it can't be too high or too low, and you, you, the bowing the bowing requires years of study to get the right amount of speed and pressure depending on what you're playing so that the emotion can flow out of my heart and through the strings and the bow and all the cello is is a resonator right it and it resonates the vibration of the strings and i i i do i don't i'm not good enough to to play in a symphony yet, um, but I have sung in a, a large chorale. I've sung in a large choir with a symphony orchestra. So here we are, we're singing Mozart's Requiem. We are 80 voices and a choral conductor. And then when we join with the when sym- with the orchestra, it's, it's 80 pieces of uh, it's 80 players and 80 instruments and a conductor. When we join together, the choir conductor steps aside, and now the symphony conductor is conducting all of us. It's almost two hundred people on a stage with an audience of about a thousand people, and what happens is, every note, two hundred people are focused on doing one thing, and every note, and every note, and every note, and every moment, we are present for what we are creating in that moment. Based on the music that we're reading, so we're all reading the same music, right? This and this has all come out of Mozart's Passion, and we are all de- dedicated and devoted beyond reason to creating in that moment the 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 penultimate sound together.
0: Ooh. I love what you said about two hundred people being. Focused on being present and creating something together in
1: that moment. Because the moment, the moment we play and sing that it's gone. And now we're in the next and now we're in the next and it's all about the now. Oh, that's so I've never, I,
0: I don't play an instrument. I was in flute in high school and I think my lips got tired so that's like, you didn't, you didn't care for it much. You didn't really. Not my, it. That was not my gift in life, but I was, was it in the silver life? flute. Was the silver, yes. the long silver flute. Uh
1: huh. Yes. Yeah. Orchestra flute.
0: And oh, I wow. do remember though, my drama teacher and her name was Mrs. Lipsinski and you, you know, it's not a name you can forget. Red hair, but mm-hmm. But the power of her belief in all of the cast members and it was, was palpable. Mm-hmm. And so it's fascinating to hear you bring that together with what happens with an orchestra. Because it's, it's very similar to what happens in a play. You're creating those moments for people. Yeah. And you're also, not only is there 200 of you that are present to create that moment, but then you are creating an open invitation for everyone in the audience to join you in that moment.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. So in a play, something a little different happens. I mean, when in an orchestra, you're rehearsing your brains out right within an inch of your life because of the precision required right in a play there's more there's more spaciousness to but you still there's a script the 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 story the playwright wants you to tell the the lines that you need to memorize the blocking that you need to memorize and once all that is done that's the technical stuff right then then you get to work on being present in the in that moment, to see, because there's an audience out there, and you're creating a loop. Of, a, I, I like to think of it like a, a feedback loop. Like you send some energy out about what you want and how you're going to get it, and they're responding. They're having an experience as well. And in the live theater, oh, uh, I read this about. Uh, I I think it happens in the theater as well, but when an audience is listening to symphony music everybody in the symphony and and if the choir is singing as well heartbeats start to sync up and people our heartbeats start to sync up and i believe it happens in the audience as well that is the power of uh, of taking like what is our longing this amorphous longing and dropping it into into the present moment you know because we're singing or we're playing an ins- instrument or we're we're in a scene in a play telling a story that we believe in. Ooh. So how does that work? How does it work in in business? It's like well, I think what you just
0: talked about like that's group coherence. 100% and how, uh, tell, th- that's, that's what you felt when you came to the
1: airport. Completely. And you know what? When I, le- I wasn't afraid when, when I stopped, when I stopped being afraid that I would mess up because it was my ego that was afraid I'd mess up, that I'd look bad, that I'd make you look bad. Right. And as soon as I, I let that go, I shined some beautiful shoes. You did. I, right.
0: (laughs) It was amazing. And,
1: and it was just so much
0: fun to be able to share that with you and have you really be fully present and engaged in that experience. And so I said to, you know, when we were talking afterwards, I said, I think you're one of the, I asked Tara, I said, we've never had anybody learn it this quickly. And I think you just articulated exactly what happened is you let the ego go, you got out of your head. And that's one of the things that happens within this experience, because if I, I can't just bring you in and say, okay, here's what's going to happen now. You're right. going to be uncomfortable, and then you're going to have to make a decision how you navigate this situation. You're either going to follow your heart and go with it and let that go, and really, you have to get in touch with your own compassion for yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And And let that go and it it just doesn't happen in a it's like an unlearning it's it's doesn't happen in a structured environment no. and so it happens magically just the way that you uniquely are able to receive it and have it be a personal experience for you and so to witness that and to see you You know, and I've seen this so many times when I've done this, but to, to, to let it go, but you are so connected that you tapped into the essence of the feeling and started to really flow with the energy of doing it so quickly. And, and that's why it, it came up so beautifully so fast.
1: So it was really fun to watch. Oh, good. It was fun. It really was. It was a singular experience, absolutely. Like I've never, never had an experience like that. It was all, all by itself. I'm curious. You know, uh, Jill, do we have do we have time to actually address this idea? How does an enormous organization, that's you know that's built that you know it it it, it its success depends on its structure, how it's structured and how people produce within that structure, right? And and what we keep talking about is longing and passion and compassion and, you know, letting the ego go. And, you know, and I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, a, a leader of a large organization that's, you know, worth billions is listening to this and going, this is just nonsense. How in the world, how in the world do I run my company by by taking the structure out, literally letting the house of cards fall down and allowing people, myself, include me, the CEO, myself included, find our longing. And how is that going to serve? How are we going to produce and and be successful?
0: How do we answer that question? I would love to explore that question because I think that is the million dollar question. And I think you, just like if you're writing a piece of music, I, you, you know the way that you want it to sound and, and the rhythm and, and the, the overall impact of the production. Mm-hmm. So then how do you cultivate each of your instruments to be able to come together and create that presence and create that impact that, that is your business, whatever it is, whatever it is you're
1: creating. And it's. in To answer that question, I think we already answered it. I think, I think. What, what, what feels most important is that. People get to be seen and heard. And when people are seen and heard, they feel cared for. And I don't know that it's much more complicated than that because you can't fake it. You can't, you can't do a box checking exercise or a team building exercise that isn't authentic or that is just meant to check the box and say, well, we did the team building, now, you know. Here come, you know, fourth quarter results are going to be up, you know, X, you know, X, X number of points because we did it. If it's, if it's phony. Right. I believe, I believe that, that the fear, the fear of allowing our emotional content to enter the, our workplace because it somehow is going to gum up the works or make us less productive or, uh, uh, distract people from the task at hand. I think those beliefs need to be unlearned. I think they're Absolutely. up for unlearning. And I think the pandemic helped us get to that threshold where it's time to unlearn th- those, be- that they, the belief systems because they're limiting because I, I think we've talked about it now, and I I, I am a believer <laughs> that I'm, if people if people can tell the truth about their longing, you know, and what brought them here in the first place, if they can remember that and then w- real realize it <laughs> with their real eyes. I believe That instead of doing things like incremental improvement and uh, fourth quarter, first quarter, second quarter, incremental, you know, upticks, I think, I think things can go quantum. But
0: I totally agree.
1: Do you, you, yeah. Am I, am I making some sense to you? What's resonating about what I'm saying? Well, it's, it, it's.
0: I go back to the I, I use the word honor all the time because yeah. it's such you, a great word. You can't just you can't just cut the person. like it used to be where you mm-hmm. you could just honor their intellect. Like you could honor their skills. And certainly those are critically important. but they are empty if they are just being honored from here up. And so I think just like you said, when you talked about, I loved you gave this example, when you talked about years of practice with with resonating and learning how to move along the strings of your cello, Mm -hmm. And I also would just like to say that I find it really interesting that the cello is such a large instrument and has such a large capacity to resonate. Yes, ma'am. And I think that is such a reflection of you and that capacity to resonate with people because that's what you do. Mm. And the more, I think you have to do the work. I think you have to have the self-awareness to be able to have the depth, to be able to hold compassion for the entire orchestra and to be able to create that space for them to bring all of themselves Those musicians are not playing from the head up. Not at the level they're playing. Nope. No, no. And so why, when we are creating art in business, do we think that people can perform from the head up? Like, all we need is your brain. Now, we need your brain. I'm not discounting that at all. But we need all of you. Because what informs your thought processes? What what is helping you develop new ideas? It's compassion, it's your heart, it's it's all of who you are. And I think that end. Yeah, the I mean, longing. Your longing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that when you like create space to honor all of the people that are you know they still have a skill set they still have you know jobs to do but it's not about the job the the action of the job it's about how you
1: do it right what you bring and, to it right how right you bring and, yourself to it exactly beautiful yeah i love that thought and
0: creating that in a work environment So that they can, they, they are creating that, that music. And so they feel proud of what they're creating creating.
1: together. And yes, and that's a big word, right? The ability to collaborate or, and the desire to collaborate, which is, is so much the opposite of, of what businesses promote, which is like. You know who's the last who's the last person standing? Like you know, at the end of the bloodbath, you know, well, last the last person standing is the winner, kind of thing. Yeah. And I
0: think it's changing. I Tell think me. that was that was the gift of COVID. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I think there was numerous. There's good things and bad things, but um, is the the awareness. I've heard everyone talk when they're referring to things that happened is that
1: they reprioritized. Yes. And what did they reprioritize around? I'm curious because I know you went to that. You went to that speaker's
0: forum. Yes. Well, they're talking about really their passion. Well, what do you know? the the, the, The expression of their fullness their wholeness yeah they're after finding it now Mm -hmm. and well and yes I think that they they found it during COVID in a way that they hadn't found it before yeah because they slowed down and they listened Mm -hmm. to what what's really going on you know it's really interesting the busier you are it's just an excuse not to listen, what's really going on inside of you.
1: When people and I, tell me they're crazy busy, I perk up. I'm like, hmm. Wh- what what's really going on here? <laughs> it's an excuse
0: not to be responsible.
1: Interesting. Well, not to show up, not to be not to hold yourself right. accountable, not to right. not to listen to your longing, right? Not to right. subdue your ego. So many and, things to be a victim. Out, yeah. I'm crazy busy. I'm a victim of my crazy busyness. Right. Ooh, sorry, yeah. Right. And,
0: and I'm guilty. I, I, I recognize that now, and I, when, now when I feel busy, I'm like, whoa, 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 You know? Oh, good for you. I need to catch myself and say,
1: huh, what am I avoiding looking at? You know, I know what you're avoiding looking at today. Today is your birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> were you just going to, were you just going to sail through this whole hour and not even not even make a peep about it?
0: No, it's a secret. No. Happy
1: birthday, beautiful. Thank Happy you so birthday. much. I am so glad that you were on this planet. I'm so well, glad my- you came in on this wave together.
0: Yes. And I'm so glad that we can be compassionate with each other. And I'm so glad that we can then be compassionate with ourselves and we can, we can learn, we can create that safe space to reflect back and forth to each other and say, huh, you know, what is this? What is the lesson? What is this trying to tell me? You know, what do I need to pay attention to here? So I know I, I could talk to you forever. And I know you have a new book coming out. Yes, and, and let's do, we'll do this again. I think we should make it like a regular feature because it's always so popular when you're on. Because we're talking about things that that
1: nobody's talking about. Yeah, let's talk about what nobody's talking about. Let's Let's have a secrets audit and get them all out on the table. I'd love back.
0: that. <laughs> so, tell people where they can find out about your new book. Oh, sure. All of the, and where you can get in touch with you doing, doing this kind of work to really help shift consciousness in the business environment is really Maybe. what you're doing. And, and it's so much fun. And when people engage with it, they realize, wow, this is easy. We've already yeah.
1: solutions already here. The P- uh, Yes. Leaders, leaders of America, your people have your answers already for you. Just give them a place to, to let you know what they are. Uh, our new book is called Unlearning, Groundbreaking Results Through Pioneering Thinking, and it's due out in fall. Uh, you can visit us on our website. It's at instituteforunlearning.com. Uh, and my, my phone number and my colleague's uh, phone number, Doug Krug, is there. But my phone number is in Colorado, 303-589-5456. We'd love to talk to you about culture shift. That's really where our focus lies uh, in, in culture change and, and shifting where people are stuck, especially leaders who've done everything right. You know, they have hired all the right experts. They're doing everything right. And it's still they're not getting the results they want. And so what we we want to make sure that never happens to you again. And what we do about that is we come in and we we get permission for your people to tell the truth about their longing.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) So before we get kicked off the air, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back again with another life giving conversation next week. Thank you so much, Christine.
1: Thank you, Jill. It's always such a pleasure. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you.